Hello from the Summit on Legal Innovation and Disruption East 2018 in New York City. I'm Abby Rosenblum. I'm Andy Spragas. Hi, Peter Giovannis. Dara Nevin. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. Thank you so much for joining us on the road. It's a pleasure to be here. Today we're talking about new careers in legal. So everybody tell me a little about your who you are, where you are, and what you do. I'm Andy Spragas. I'm the Chief Innovation Officer of Cat and Mution Rosamond. Uh, it's an international law firm. It's a newer role at Cat and Mution. We haven't had this role for more than eight months. My role before was executive director, so I have an idea of the breadth of our firm and what we're able to do and put people in contact. So that's probably why I'm in this position. And hi again, this is Peter Giovannis. I am uh, focused on data strategy, analytics, and artificial intelligence for the law firm of Winston & Strawn. My role, uh, in fact, I'm the first one in my role, and I've had that position for about two and a half years now. And my name is Dara Nevin. I'm a senior associate attorney at the um, Baker and McKenzie office in Toronto. I'm in the IP tech group. While that itself isn't an innovative role, what I'm doing is quite innovative. I practice in the area of information governance and e-discovery, and I'm associated with the White Space Legal Collab, which is a collaborative innovation lab that many departments use to generate new ways of delivering business to clients. So... From where I sit, none of your roles existed three years ago. So tell me how your roles came to be. At Cat and Mution, at least, um, over the last two or three years, I was asked to do an assessment of sort of where we stood versus other firms and where we had capabilities um, that maybe we were doing things ad hoc, but not on an organized basis. And what the conclusion was is that we needed a number of new roles, including an innovation role. Um, so be careful what you wish for. They said, okay, Andy, you do it. You become our chief innovation officer and set up our, our way of doing things in a different way, our way of selling change internally and showing value to our clients. So it's uh, all new to us on an organized basis. I'm not so sure it's new because we did things on an ad hoc basis, but certainly the structure is new. My path definitely wasn't very clear as well. I started uh, eight years in the U.S. Navy. After that, I did a 20-year career working for consulting companies, but it was always with data and predictive analytics in mind. Uh, toward the end of that 20 years, I think I had a midlife crisis and decided I needed to go to law school while I continued to work and raise a family. Um, and then it was really just the perfect storm. I kind of had this epiphany thinking, could I build predictive models on legal data like I had corporate data for 16 years prior? And uh, made a little bit of a name for myself. And luckily, this opportunity came about with a firm who also had an epiphany that there would be this convergence of data and analytics in the practice of law and was looking for somebody to take that journey with. So that, that's my story. And I came to my role through a number of detours. I've joked that I'm probably the poster child for alternative uh, careers in law. I um, came to law after an 11-year career in project management and technology, particularly um, as uh, design was moving into the digital era. I then went to law school and had a, a career as a litigator before transitioning to e-discovery when that became um, something that 
everybody had to wrestle with was the proliferation of digital data, started to work more on the operations side of law firms, helping with the practice technology stack and delivering services in a more streamlined and efficient matters through legal operations. And now I've returned to practice in the information governance world. That is an area that clients are um, focusing more attention and resources on. And the innovation is really coming from a perspective of listening to clients about how they want the legal work delivered. It's not just through traditional mechanisms of in-person meetings, telephone conferences, and um, memoranda. They are increasingly wanting a convergence of legal consulting and technology solutions. And so the White Space Collab in Toronto at Baker McKenzie is the vehicle through which those um, new delivery models are becoming available. So tell me from your vantage point, any advice for law firms looking to explore new roles? Yes, make sure there's top-down uh, commitment to it. I think the hardest thing for any of us is, uh, I think the jobs are hard enough when they're new. If you don't have the support of senior management, I think it makes it very difficult. Um, you know, you, you're going to have the best way, ironically, the best way to, to, to get success in any sort of new projects is to get ground-up support, right? But the top-down support is very important to have the partners understand that we are dedicating resources. There are new roles out there, um, and the value will come and will be shown over time. You know, I wonder if you guys agree with that. I mean, that's been our challenge. So I definitely agree, and I maybe add one additional factor. Uh, we've had greater success when we try to align to the firm's strategic goals. Sure. Uh, so we've recently put out our five-year or ten-year plan. Um, I've got a number of analytic initiatives, if you will, a portfolio. And by able to show how they support these visions uh, for the firm going forward uh, definitely helps in getting that partner support to move mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. And I'll echo that. I'll just also add that in addition to being aligned with the firm's strategic goals, when those strategic goals are aligned with client goals and revenue objectives, that is uh, a formula for success and buy-in. And so all of these things are tied together, but where there's time taken to really think through what is the resourcing that these new roles is going to require? And it could just be time, willingness to tolerate uncertainty for a while, often it's financial resources, and just clear benchmarks about where are we in the whole process of evolving this role into our business operations, then these are all factors that contribute to the success of the role. Yeah, when you look at it, I think also the part is the partner buy-in and partner sponsorship. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had a couple of projects that I have involved and I'm involved in, and there are partners who are involved day to day. If you don't have that, if they say to you, well, if it's important to you, we'll do it, that's not going to work. You need the partners being there, being on your side, and that's the only way you're going to march forward. If you don't have that, you're sort of twiddling, not twiddling your thumbs, but effectively, yeah. And that's one of the challenges I see, too, is this is so new, this area, it's not like you can go and ask for requirements. A lot of times no one's asking for these projects. So we're doing very short, if you will, sprints, um, coming up with a proof of concept or a pilot, showing that to the partners, getting their feedback and giving them the, the decision is go, no go for further. I think also avoiding the trap of innovation for innovation's sake. So I try and avoid random acts of innovation mm -hmm. um, is what I, I call them. There, there is a lot of randomness to innovation and there's a certain you know, by design experimentation, but experimentation is quite different than randomness. And so I often try and find projects that either um, solve a pain point or add a benefit. And a lot of times people start this work trying to add a benefit immediately. But I often find when you can remove a pain point for people, it's often easier, it costs less money, you can get a quicker win, and it builds 
you know, trust and buy-in and stability um, to the role. And these quick wins can be very helpful. And they often cost very little money at all. Stop a process that no longer makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Free up somebody's time or improve a process that is contributing to anxiety or inefficiency or pain to the person whose desk it's at. Mm -hmm. These are all very helpful. And when you can say this role is designed to make your life better, remove obstacles, then there's greater likelihood of buy-in from both clients and partners or other personnel within the law firms. You know, one of the themes of the morning was not being afraid to fail. Can you tell me your thoughts on that from, you know, the law firm perspective? You have to make sure, again, it takes it's the commitment from the top, but it's also um, educating people and establishing a culture that works. And that's a weird way of saying it, but that and that takes time. I mean, one of the things I want to talk about this afternoon in that room, if I get a chance, is we have a lot of people showing up to talk about innovation. We, I don't think we have any chief talent officers, people who really can sort of source the, the, the raw materials for us to use going forward. We don't have that today. Um, and I think having those people in here and teaching them and sort of having them shepherd the new generation of, of employee, of partner, um, would be, is very important to us. And from my perspective, delivery-wise, I'm still, I'm past the honeymoon period. Um, but I, I have to be very conscientious that I need some successes in order to keep my programs going. So some of the deliverables that I have for 2018 and maybe even into 2019, I think are really safe bets. These are models that I've built in other industries, and now I'm just applying them to the legal setting. This might be things like customer retention, uh, analytic cross-sell, uh, the ability to build some type of sales pipeline and see where things are. High value to the firm, but also I think from my perspective, have a very low likelihood of getting me fired. We talk a lot about fear of failure, but what I'd like to do is shift the frame a little bit. And I'm going to, to speak to litigators who, who may be listening. Um, as a very young lawyer, I had an insurance defense portfolio. And there were really indefensible cases in the sense that you were dealing with somebody who had a very significant personal injury or a liability was fairly clear. And I thought, oh, I'm never going to win this case. And a senior lawyer said, well, what you need to do is shift the frame. Liability is established, but maybe you can get a win on managing client expectations or a time of settlement or a variety of other things. It's shifting the frame. And so this fear of failure, we need to go a little bit deeper and say, well, what are we trying to accomplish? You know, maybe it's gaining information or invaluable insight. Maybe it's not necessarily completing a project, but gaining better insight into what our clients truly want and what's of value to them or, or, or identifying a new market opportunity. So I think when we shift the frame, when we talk about innovation to really say, it's not about avoiding risk. It's about managing risk or maybe more clearly articulating the risk that exists and having a good conversation about our risk appetite as an organization. We can never eliminate risk, but we can bring the risk to a place where as a business or within our relationships, we can tolerate it um, and we understand it. Even just understanding it is a bit of a win. So in innovation, um, what I always say is innovation is really just the market buying something you've never sold before whether it's a new line of business, um, a new argument in front of a court, a different way of financing a transaction. These are all innovations, and it might push you to think about, are the, the resources in my firm correctly calibrated? Do I have the right talent mix? If I want to move and, and serve a different segment of population, will the resources I currently have be adequate, or do I need to maybe look at buying some additional infrastructure, hiring a different person? This is all stuff on the pathway to innovation. And so I think too often we think innovation is only introducing AI into our 
into our service mix. And that can be an important component of an innovation strategy, but it can also just be doing something differently than I've ever done before and seeing the results. So if I hear you correctly, what you're saying is it's a combination of people, process, and technology. Andy, what do you think of that? I think that's exactly right. I mean, it's one of the things I, when I show my innovation deck um, to the partners as I was rolling this out, those are the three primary areas we had. I mean, it's it's that simple. It's not technology, which is the big stereotype, right? It is going to use data, but it's not, but it's, it's more than that. So no, I agree with that a hundred percent. I think we have to remind people of that and again, educate them that that's how it works, right? Inherently, I think all the partners in our firms who are successful are can do all this and do all of it they can't be successful without it right mm-hmm. but now with the rapidly changing world and the world they have to live in on billing hours finding staffing and finding new business people like us have to sort of highlight for them what needs to be done and a lot of it starts with relentless curiosity asking questions so when i think about some of the work that you're doing you're really asking are we leaving money on the table that we could be capturing through a different service mix right so why do your clients come back? Or is there a client that you didn't get because of something? Um, starting by asking questions, do I have the right mix of products and services for my community or for my business line? This is the start of a journey of innovation, right? So it can be very simple, just starting to ask questions, mm-hmm. evaluating the talent mix. Have I, do I have the right applications on my computer? What else is out there and might it be helpful to me? Mm-hmm. So based on what you've seen here today, share your final thoughts with us. I think what we're looking for in in the industry is is you know maybe we can call it innovation we can call it change but it's attention to the things where we haven't had resources to move forward on before okay attention to telling people that the world inform people how the world is changing and how they have to react how they maybe should react to it and you know I think Everyone in that room today is convinced of the changes that are going on in the industry. Know it, know it well. Like I said before, I think it is spreading the word now and getting people out there, making them aware, and then taking it to the next level, teaching them how to survive in this. You know, survive maybe a, a strong word, but tell them how to succeed in this new world, how to find their path, because the paths are going to be different than they were. And it's not only in legal, it's in every industry. You see it today, people talking about the new skills that are needed in the new world, retraining people. Um, making sure they have the skills to see it, a culture of learning, which, you know, there is CLE, there are things that law firms do for, for learning, but that's only just to, you know, to stay licensed and stay current. There's other things that we all should be doing on both sides, both the business professional side and the lawyer side that we should be pressing. And I think that's our, that's our next step in our agenda. And just to follow up on Andrew's comments, I think what I take away is just the enthusiasm in the room. Uh, there's no one in there that is, woe is me, that change is coming. I think everybody is embracing the change and they're making the necessary preparations in their firms or in their businesses to uh, to excel going forward. What I take from this morning's session is that there's opportunity and collaboration. So what I mean by that is we are living in a changing world and we're experiencing it in the legal sector in our own unique way. But when I think about it, you know, 18 hours a day, I have in my hand a computer that is thousands of times more powerful than what you know, was available to the Apollo team. We have so much potential just in the palm of our hand that we're not necessarily utilizing. And that creates change. It also creates opportunity. And legal is navigating it at the time and the pace that it's doing it, same as other industries. But the world is more complex. It is more connected. It is more global. Um, We may not always feel it that way, but we have supply chains. We buy goods from all around the world. What I've heard from 
other stakeholders in the room, service providers, um, law departments, con consumers of legal services is, you need to talk to us. You need to find out what we really need to do. We need to understand our needs in a collaborative fashion and work together. And so I think the biggest change that is available to people is to not think you need to do it alone, but to reach out, join a bar association, join a community of interest, connect with people on LinkedIn, ask a good questions, start to understand what's out there. And that's the start of the journey. Before we close it out for today, I have one last question for you. If our listeners would like to follow up, how can they reach you? Uh, they can find, this is Andy, they can find me on LinkedIn, Andy, Andrew Spragas. Same, Peter Giovannis, and I'm on LinkedIn. Darren Evan, I, uh, I'm definitely on LinkedIn, and you're welcome to connect. And I also um, participate in the conversation on Twitter. Well, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode. I want to thank our guests for joining us today. And we also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard today, please rate us at Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Uh -huh.